Hello and welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We have a great episode for you all today. We're going to start off with a brief look back at our animated movie rankings from the previous episode. Very contentious uh, in the episode and then later among our various fans. We are then going to roll into best of the internet as usual on our Friday episodes. Friday or Saturday. We we then will do an NFL Week 18 preview with our picks, going kind of in-depth into some of those games and why we like them. And then we will send you off into the weekend. So, everybody, you ready? Let's go. And welcome back, everyone. Today is probably Saturday, December 8th. Wow, it's not welcome. even close to December. Welcome back, everyone. Today is probably Saturday, January 8th, the second podcast of the new year. Sammy, how you doing, buddy? I am doing lovely. Uh, glad to be back into the swing of things. We had a little bad period of time there. We missed a few episodes, but I think we're back to two a week. Feeling good. Excited for this episode. A uh, little upset about the results on the poll about the uh, last episode of the movie rankings, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, so I guess we can just jump right into that. So we actually put up a poll on our Instagram. I showed uh, a graphic with both of our lists on it. I then put up a poll. Uh, you know, who had the better list, me or Sammy? Resoundingly, the choice was me, 73% to 27%. So I clearly win that one. I also had a, a, a question box for people to submit their questions uh, with the question, what was the worst ranking? And so we got a few responses on that that I can go over here. So we have Sammy's sister saying that putting oh, the God. new Lion King is a very hot take. We have me responding from my own account saying that Sammy putting Madagascar third is a hot take. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So my sister said putting the Lion King first is bad. She she said Sammy putting the Lion King first is the hottest take. I disagree with that. I think you disagree with that too, actually. I no, I don't. I don't like the new. Like I, I think the new Lion King is not that good. But you said the old one was top three. Yeah, and the new one is not the same as the old one. Okay, well, mine included both of them. No, it, no, it did not. No, it did not. You said the new one. It's literally the exact same plot line with the exact same lines. It's the but same movie, but it's not movie, the same kind quality. of fun animation. I, I disagree. I disagree. But whatever. Uh, Rebecca said Monsters Inc. Very low for both of us. I actually, uh, this is something I, I heard of a couple times. Uh, our friend Andres he DM'd the account and said that Monsters Inc. was so low that it made the lists invalid. Uh, what I would respond to that is that. First of all, I agree. Actually, I, I will. I've never seen the movie that much, so I'll agree that it was probably was way too low. But anybody that's listening to this, just know that I've never really watched it, so it's not really a valid ranking, in my opinion, for me. I I personally would say that. So initially in my list, I did not. I split up all the franchises. In the graphic I put up on Instagram, I'd streamline my list a little bit so that it would fit like on the same picture with Sammy's. So when I streamlined my list. I combined some stuff. So I combined Monsters, Inc. and Monsters, U. And I think that Monsters, U. is a far worse movie than Monsters, Inc. So for me, the combined score gets lowered by 
Monsters U being attached to it. So Monsters Inc. on its own, I think, is certainly top 10, like top 7 maybe, kind of in the, in the for me, Finding Nemo Ratatouille, kind of in that area of my list. But when I attach Monsters U, which is a fun movie, it just brings the average score down by a lot. So it's hard for me to kind of put it up there with those movies when it's only like half of the two movies are actually good and the other one kind of is not good, if that makes sense. No, I'll valid, okay. We then got uh, several responses from Victoria. She said that she actually she was... meant to click on she meant to click on your tab of the poll. So you should have gotten one more vote than you did. It really wouldn't have mattered. She says that if she knew Hatching of Dragons was on the list, it would be in her top three. So that would comply. I didn't put Hatching Dragons. I didn't. I didn't put that in my list. That's yeah, why. you didn't. So yeah, so it wasn't like a bad choice by you. You just didn't include it. Uh, the one criticism, so I was reading her criticisms. She said that Up was too low on my list. And actually, after we recorded we recorded the episode earlier in the week, I kind of went back, I watched parts of Up just to kind of refresh my memory. And looking back, I, I do think I should have put Up higher. I know that was the one you criticized me for the most. You actually perhaps. went back and watched the movie? I watched parts of it. I don't know. I just felt like after we finished, I thought to myself, maybe I was a little too harsh on this movie because of some memories that I had from watching it several years ago. So I went back and rewatched parts of it, and it was better than I remembered it being. So I, if, if we were to re-rank, I would definitely move up higher in the list, probably around the Shrek level. I still don't think it's in my top top tier of movies, but I would move it up, so I'll, whatever. However, okay, I think, Chris, I think we're beating this topic to death right now. Well, I just wanted to say that uh, Victoria also said that uh, Wally is a no so once I saw that, I kind of disregarded the rest of her criticisms because when she says Wally's a no, I'm just like, okay, so I no longer care about your opinion. She actually did text me. She said that uh, she disagrees with Wally being one and she thought it was very much incorrect. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've never seen Wally, so I can't make a judgment. But I do know that many people consider it the best Pixar movie of all time. So I feel like you're more right on this one. Sorry, Victoria. I certainly think I'm more right on this one. Yeah, so we're not. We're going to disregard that, that comment there. Yeah, so I think that was she also was, she was also very upset about the Brave rankings because she thinks Brave is a fantastic movie. Yeah, we covered that in our rankings. I just yeah, think we both agree that Brave I think we're gonna move on from the movie rankings because we already talked about this for forty five minutes last episode. Yeah, I just figured a brief update couldn't hurt Thank anyone. So, apparently, yeah. everyone apparently people thought my rankings were worse than Chris's. So sorry everybody for that. Uh, and we will top. be putting up we will be putting up uh, the poll for whatever ranking topic we do after we do each episode. So everyone can go on our Instagram, which is uh, mindthegap.pod, and go on the Instagram and decide, you know, who nice has little a better plug there. each week. Good yeah, Instagram yeah. shout-out. And we'll keep track of it because Sammy keeps beating me in the NFL picks, so hopefully I keep beating him in the rankings. Yes, yeah, so it's not even close for NFL picks at all. Let's go. Next, next topic. All right, so our next topic is going to be best of the internet. Beautiful. As always. Sammy, why don't you share your first story? All right, so I have many, many stories to go over today. I have five short ones and one more extensive one. So uh, these are just funny stories that I found on the internet. Uh, They're going to be quick, but I thought they were worth sharing with our audience. The first one is titled, Family Cat Accidentally Donated to Thrift Store with Old Recliner. So this was kind of a sad one for a little bit. So a uh, family decided to give away their reclining chair to a thrift store. 
And as you guys know, cats like going in little spaces. They like climbing around stuff. Uh, apparently, this cat really liked going inside the recliner chair. So the family actually donated the, uh, the chair to a thrift store. They put it in their car. They took it to the thrift store. They gave it to the thrift store. And this whole time, they failed to realize that the cat was actually hiding inside the chair. So they basically just donated their cat to the thrift store since the cat was stuck inside the chair. I thought that was pretty horrifying. Luckily, they did go home and realize the cat was missing, and then they called the thrift store, and turns out they did get the cat, and the cat was safely returned to home. But I just found it fascinating that they could pick up the chair, put it in the car, carry it to the thrift store, all without failing to realize that there was their household cat was stuck inside. So I thought that was a funny one. That is a very funny story. I'm glad they got the cat back. They got the cat back, right? Yes, the cat's back at home. Don't worry. Yeah, making sure they got the cat back. That could have been a very upsetting story for all involved. Do you want me to do one more since I have just short, quick ones? Yeah, sure. All right, so this one is uh, this one's a little dumb, but this one's actually like kind of historically interesting. So there is, you may or not know this, but after the Napoleon era, the border between France and Belgium was laid out with like big stones. Uh, so it's not really like a, a line. It's more just like a bunch of like big heavy stones along the border. For example, Chris, let me just show it to you. It's like those mark. There's like hundreds of these along the border, and these uh-huh. mark the border. So those are like the legal border for the countries. Uh, and a Belgian farmer in Belgium, he was uh, using his tractor, and he actually moved the stone like a good distance for to like create a road for his tractor. So he created the road for his tractor, moved the stone. But by moving the stone, he didn't just move the stone, he actually, in illegal terms, he actually changed the border of Belgium and France, and he added 10,000 square feet to the country of Belgium. He added how many square feet? 10,000. Which isn't a ton, but like it's a, it's like, it's a good that's amount a, of space. That's a pretty substantial amount of space. It's like a nice amount of space, right? It's, like, it's a big lot. So he actually added a nice chunk of land to, to Belgium. Uh, and France actually got upset at this at first because they were like, you just took away part of our country and you gave it to, to Belgium. So there was actually like a little dispute over it. Luckily, the people didn't take it too seriously. They were kind of laughing about it. Eventually, he did move the stone back to its previous spot and made the border where it was supposed to be. But for like a couple of days there, Belgium actually increased in in size and France diminished in size, which is kind of interesting because I didn't realize that the actual border was judged by these rocks. I figured like the rocks are just there for like a symbol and it didn't actually matter where they were, like the border's the border, but apparently the rocks are the border. So by moving the rocks, you move the border. So that was interesting, I thought, actually. Yeah, it is. I, I don't mean to uh, attack you here, Sammy. Didn't this happen like a year and a half ago? No, this happened. These are all stories from, uh, I looked up funniest stories from 2021. So these are uh, story recaps of 2021. Ah, okay. I was going to say, no, no, I feel this, like I heard about this a while ago. This was a few months ago. Uh, these are story recaps from the whole year. I, I wasn't going to say that because I didn't think it was important because they're all funny news stories. But yes, I looked up best news stories of 2021. And these are all some of the ones that came up. Okay. So mine, uh, my first story is about Antonio Brown. So I think we talked about Antonio Brown kind of abandoning the Buccaneers during their game against the Jets in our last episode, but there have been a variety of updates since then. So he released this whole lengthy statement talking about how he actually, his ankle was too painful to play on, and Bruce Arians tried to make him play on the ankle, and when he wouldn't go back in the game, Bruce Arians said, like, get out of the stadium, and so he left. 
I'm not sure. It, it, it's just hard for me to really know who to believe here. I think ultimately it's very possible that both Antonio Brown and Bruce Arians are just like not great people. And so it's kind of a combination of both. But what really was kind of the funny part is uh, Antonio Brown tried to, at first when Lehman Stadium, he tried to get into a state trooper's car driving to the airport. And they obviously said no because they had a, a job to be doing at the stadium. So then he had some random friend pick him up and just drive him around the city for hours and hours. He then just has been hanging out in New York City. He was courtside of the Nets game a couple nights ago. He is living his best life. I, I guess he's going to get surgery on the ankle, but it's very unclear. He's posted a lot of stuff on Instagram. He posted some text messages between him and Bruce Arians where Bruce Arians had to introduce himself like, hey, this is this is B.A., when I assume they've been, he's been on the team for a year and a half, so as you not texted him before, so that was a little bit strange. It did make it seem in those text messages as if Bruce Arians knew about the ankle injury, although in my mind it's very possible that Antonio Brown just faked the texts because I see that's something that he would do. It feels very much in character for him to have done something like that. Antonio Brown also posted some texts between him and Alex Guerrero, Tom Brady's trainer where he basically said, hey, I don't want to work with you anymore. Can you pay me back half the $100,000 that I paid you for the treatment? And Alex Guerrero sent him back like a very nice text being like, hey, thanks so much for letting me work with you. It's been great. You've been a great client. You're a great person. Where should I send the money? And Antonio Brown posted the Instagram as if people would think that Alex Guerrero was being a bad person when actually everyone was kind of more of the opinion that Alex Guerrero seemed like he had a great business with good customer service. So that was pretty funny. Now, allegedly, Antonio Brown has broken COVID protocol by sneaking a date into a hotel. Uh, this date actually is a, an OnlyFans star who is known for uh, licking toilet seats. So that feels like on brand for him. I don't know. But it's all just very strange. Ultimately, I hate people that try and diagnose Antonio Brown with different mental illnesses or trauma from certain hits he's taken in his career because that's stupid. And doctors today, like the best doctors, can't even diagnose CTE until after a person's already deceased. But obviously, it seems like he's a troubled individual at the moment. I, just, I hope he gets the help that he needs. And if he wants to play football again, I hope he does. And if not, then I hope he has a, a safe and healthy rest of his life. Uh, yeah, I really don't know who to believe in the situation. Uh, I've heard both sides of the story. I don't think Antonio... This might sound... I don't know. I just don't think Antonio Brown would fake messages with the coach. Uh, I don't think really? he'd that. Really? I don't think he would. I, I've, I don't think he would. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I've been an Antonio Brown supporter, believer. I don't think he'd go as far as to fake messages. But I also don't believe him 100%, right? Nor do I really believe Bruce Arians. Should he? I don't think Antonio Brown should have left that game. I don't care what happened. You're professional, so I think he should have kept doing his job, right? Uh, but did something bad happen to Antonio Brown? Were the coaches being rude to him? Were they treating him unfairly? Potentially. Does that mean you should leave mid-game? No, it does not. But I do think Antonio Brown is going to get another opportunity to play football. You may disagree with me. I think next year, he obviously showed this year that he's very much still a good wide receiver. So I think a lot of teams would be interested in him. I think there's just a lot, this whole situation has to be, besides 
before team takes him on, I think they want to know what really happened here and if it was his fault. Because obviously no team wants a troublemaker as one of their players. But I think if this does get cleared up and it's proven that the Bucks were maybe treating him a little unfairly, I do think he gets another shot to play football, which I do think he deserves because he proved this year that he's a very good player still. Uh, I'm not going to mention the, uh, the, I'm not even going to talk about the hotel room thing you said. that I had never heard of that, but thank you for that information. You're welcome. Uh, really necessary. Uh, but for now, I have nothing else to say. I do think the both were in the wrong here a little bit. Obviously, he shouldn't have left. He's a little bit of an idiot for doing that. But I do think there probably was something along the lines of the coaching staff treating him unfairly. Yeah, maybe. I, I would push back on, the, on your thought that he wouldn't fake a text. When he already got suspended three games this year for faking a vaccine card, so he's a, a history of fabricating certain things. And I, 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 it would not be shocking to me if after all the stuff he's done, the litany of personal and off issues that he's had, along with this, these latest, this latest stuff, it would not shock me if he, if he faked the text. And also, yeah, he might get another chance next year. He's a very good player, and we've seen over and over again that the best players can do really, really terrible stuff and still be on a team. Just name it like Kareem Hunt and different players like that. And even like Deshaun Watson, obviously he has not been. None of the allegations against him have been proven, but he's received like 27 allegations from different um, masseuses. And so certainly for me, that would cast, for me, it would cast some doubt on whether I'd want him on my team. I I want a person like that to be representing my football team. But as we see, the trademark room is hotter than ever. People still want to trade for him. He's a very good quarterback. And so, yeah, if, if, a team can definitely overlook some of this stuff and still have him on their squad. But it wouldn't shock me also if people were just like, I'm done with this. He's too much to handle. Let me just clarify. Uh, I, Antonio Brown, I, I do think he's a, a bad person. Obviously, a lot of the stuff he's done is terrible, and he has some bad things. But I think the NFL has proven time and time again that they care more about football and winning than they do about a player's resume, which yeah, exactly. is why I think he will get another opportunity. Yeah, I, I, it would not shock me if next year he was on a different team. It would not shock me at all. All right, want me to go again? Absolutely. All right, so uh, this is kind of a dumb story, but as Chris kind of exposed me earlier, these are all stories from the past year that I found. Uh, thank you for exposing me for that, Chris. Appreciate it. Welcome. Uh, so this one is a Canadian singer uh, accidentally inhaled the world's scariest drug. So this one... It's almost unbelievable. So she was walking. She's from Canada, and she was in Los Angeles, and uh, she's walking along the street, and there's this, like, really pretty yellow plant growing on the side of the street, and she picks it up, and she's like, oh, look how pretty this plant is, and she, like, sniffs it and smells it. But apparently this plant is called Angel's Trumpet, and it's known for, like, emitting, like, a really powerful hallucinogen. Hallucinogenic? It says hallucinogen, but yeah, sure that. And it's known as oh, devil. Oh, uh, ooh. Yeah, right, ooh. tough. I don't know, exactly. It's known as devil's breath, and it's a narcotic called scopal- lemon. Like, a lot of weird words here. But let's just say it's a plant that's basically like a really Hallucinogen. Top- hallucinogen. Hallucin- hallucinogen. There, I got it right. No, 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 no. Hallucinogen. There, that. Yeah. So apparently this plant is like a narcotic drug and it's known as the world's scariest drug and like turns you it's like it turns you into like 
like you're seeing like images and stuff, and then they go to a party, and her and her friends who sniff the plant, thinking it was like a pretty plant, begin to feel like these horrible side effects, and like she goes to sleep, and she has like this whole paralysis experience, where she thinks like a human in black like enters her room, and like injects her with a needle and stuff like that, so let's just say it's like she basically took like, I don't know, hard drugs or something, like acid or something, but she just sniffed a pretty plant on the side of the road, uh, Apparently, this plan has like really like negative like historical connotations too. It was used by it was used by Nazi doctors, like during World War II and Soviet doctors in World War II. I just don't know why this plant is sitting around by the side of the road in Los Angeles. Like, is the question I had. Like, sure, like okay, it's fine that this plant like exists in the world. Like, there's a lot of dangerous things in the world. But why is like the world's scariest drug sitting? by the road in Los Angeles for anybody to pick up and look at and smell. It just makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Just having this kind of growing outside of the road feels like a massive safety oversight in my mind. Ridiculous. Like, she just picks up a nice plant, smells it, it turns out to be the world's most scary drug. I think LA has to do a better job of keeping their uh, streets clean of those flowers. Uh, yeah, that's all I, I, have... I would certainly agree with that. That's all I have to add about that story. Uh, Chris, let's hit me with another one. All right, so my next story is about the celebrity influencer, Logan Paul. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, so it's, it's not really, I don't know, it's kind of about him. So, yeah, it's about him, actually. So, I don't know if you know about this, but for a while over the summer, he was very into Pokemon cards. He would buy these unopened packs of very rare Pokemon cards and then unpack them live on his stream or on his YouTube channel. So that was, it was actually pretty cool. I watched a couple of them. I have, like, I think everyone has some Pokemon cards from when they were in, like, first or second grade. So I still do have a lot of mine, like, in my closet somewhere. And so, actually, it turns out that he might have spent $3.5 million on a fake box of Pokemon cards. So, basically, what he was doing, like I said, is he was buying these old packs of Pokemon cards unopened and then opening them. So... It's less expensive than buying the like the very best individual cards on their own. But obviously, you also don't know what cards you're going to get. So it makes it kind of interesting, and it makes it so that you could make a ton of money or lose a ton of money, depending on which cards you actually receive in the packs. So the case he acquired was, uh, it was six first edition base set Pokemon card booster boxes for $3.5 million dollars. So this is from like this these are the very first cards that were ever created by the by Pokemon, right? So going all the way back to the beginning of the franchise, these are the original cards. They're obviously worth the most money. And recently it's come to light that perhaps the cards were fake after this lengthy investigation by by a by Pokey Beach. Poke Beach was a Pokemon card like fan website. Some of the red flags were that the cards were sold on eBay instead of in a verified like auction house like Sotheby's, where it goes through a much more rigorous authentication process than eBay, obviously, where you just put up whatever you want. And for also, I didn't know that things on eBay sold for such money. That I guess is just on me. But the user, the account, had very little feedback. Uh, on ebay which is how you usually know if an uh, account is is good at sending their stuff or not because people will leave reviews and so it had very little feedback it seems now as the account is as though the account is no longer active 
They gave multiple different stories for how they even got the cards in the first place. They said that they got it at an estate sale in Canada for their twelfth for their twelfth birthday, and then also abandoned in an attic. So, like, which one is it? And finally, um, the card was only authenticated by a company called Baseball Card Exchange, which does baseball cards, not Pokemon cards. So it seemed like he could have possibly gamed them if they didn't really know what they were doing. And so now Logan Paul is investigating the uh, this this event. And I don't know, hopefully he didn't waste $3.5 million on Pokemon cards, although it would be kind of funny if he did, because anyone, anyone who will spend that much money on kids' cards that are used in a kid's game, perhaps there's too much money on their hands already. Yeah, I'm just to say, I don't really feel bad from here. It seems like one of those things where you shouldn't be spending that much money on, like even if they were real, like I wouldn't really see the justification for spending more than $3 million on Pokemon cards. Uh, I, I do collect like football cards and stuff, so I understand that they're cool, but it just seems like one of those things where it should be more of a hobby and not like a thing you spend millions of dollars on. Uh, so, you know what? I don't really feel bad for him. It'd be kind of funny if he bought $3 million fake cars and whoever scammed him with these, good for them. They got a free $3.5 million there. Uh, so, I guess, is there like a, are they confirmed fake, confirmed real? Or, you know, no, it's yet. unclear. Unclear, unclear at this point. Yeah. Cool. I'll be waiting to see when that gets clarified. Yeah, yeah. All right, Sammy, you want to give me another story? I'm trying to think if I have another story. I definitely have a bigger story, but I feel like I'm done with the quick stories. Oh, no, I have a funny one. So, California condors. Uh, Chris, have you ever heard of a California condor? Uh, I think I think I have, but yes. not recently. They are the most rare, one of the most rare birds in the world. Uh, if you had to guess, Chris, how many do you think are left in the wild? A hundred. Two hundred of them are left in the wild. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good guess. Not a bad guess. I'll give it to you. So two hundred of these birds are left in the wild. Uh, they're extremely rare. All of the birds left in the wild are actually tagged. So they're very, very rare birds. And then there's this woman. Her name is Cinda Mickles. Cinda Mickles. Uh, she lives in California. And she has 20 California condors that for the past months have been destroying her house. 10% of the world population of California condors continue to come to her house, rip up her roofs, poop on her deck, kill all her flowers. And for some reason, they love this house in particular, and only this one. And she asked the uh, wildlife services, and they said that her house is actually on a California condor, like, wild reserve. So this is kind of frustrating, yet kind of cool at the same time. At one side of the story, you have birds, like, pooping and ruining your house. But on the other side of the story, 10% of the whole population of one of the most rare birds in the whole world is constantly outside your house. So you get to see them every day. So I don't know if I feel bad for her or if she kind of like has a little blessing here. Because these are extremely rare birds. People like go out like looking for these birds all the time. And she just has 20 of them just sitting on her house like many, many days just ripping up her stuff. So I thought this was a fascinating, little funny, interesting story about 10% of the world population of the California condor is just destroying this one lady's house. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess a little funny. Not funny for her, unfortunately. That seems like I don't know. I feel tough. like it'd be cool to have those birds like sitting on your house, but destroying your house. But like they're so rare that it's like wow. Like they're destroying my house, but like wow, look at them. They're massive too. They're like oh, they like this is so cool. I get to have these rare birds destroy my house. They look like big ass falcons. They're huge. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, still, I have the I privilege like... of like having these birds like ripping my stuff to shreds. Yeah, maybe. I guess it'd be cooler to have that happen than to have your house destroyed by like pigeons. But exactly. still, like, like at least like not... if you're gonna get if you're gonna get your house destroyed by like a bird, like I definitely choose these. I guess I don't know. I don't know. All right, uh, Chris, you have the last one for us. Yeah, so I think my final story and Sammy's longer story are connected. I mean, they're both about um, Novak Djokovic, who currently is being held in Australia. And so I think Sammy is is going to go into more details about the actual news side of this. What I thought was funny is the reaction by Djokovic's father and some some other people in Serbia. So Djokovic's father uh, has been very outspoken about the whole thing. And he now is taken to the streets of Serbia in these mass protests against the Australian government for holding Djokovic. And so, first of all, I mean, obviously, this protest has to work, right? Because Australia seeing, like, 100 people in the streets of Serbia certainly is going to convince them to allow Djokovic into the country without his vaccine. Also, some of the quotes were funny. His dad said, uh, shame on them. The entire freedom-loving world should rise together with Serbia. They crucified Jesus, and now they're trying to crucify Novak the same way. So that's wait, wait, th- whoa, whoa, whoa! Who crucified Jesus? They, they. He just he's making comparison between Jesus being crucified and now saying that Novak is also being crucified the same way. So he's comparing Novak Djokovic in Australia to Jesus's crucifixion. He is. He is doing that. He I think maybe that. that's going a tad far. What do you think? I, I, I completely agree. Even as someone like myself who is not very religious, that comparison feels very off to me. Thank you. It seems, yeah, like so, like very, very different. I'm not sure if those things should be used in the same sentence the way that he did, but I don't know, whatever. There's also some vigils being held in Serbia, so that like if after someone dies, they'll have a vigil. They're holding vigils for Novak Djokovic. I don't really know what's going on with that. Novak released a statement saying, God sees everything. Moral ethics as the greatest ideals are the guiding stars for spiritual upliftment. My grace is spiritual and theirs is material wealth. So like that just means nothing. That's just a bunch of words put together (laughs) that have no actual meaning in relation to each other. Like I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what that is supposed to convey. Can you you repeat that? Repeat that quote, please. Yeah, okay. God sees everything. Moral ethics as the greatest ideals are the guiding stars for spiritual upliftment. My grace is spiritual and theirs is material wealth. I don't really understand like, that quote. Yeah, because it, 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 it doesn't mean anything. There's no when, meaning behind it. When he's it. saying theirs is material wealth, is he referring to Australia? and like? I have no idea. He like opened a dictionary different pages and just pick random words and then put them into one like into one quote together i think he's very much pushing the spiritual religious thing right now as a a defense for yeah yeah i i certainly don't understand what's happening with this at all okay uh how about we actually talk about the uh, whole yeah go for it sammy Uh, i'm I'm not gonna lie to you guys i'm not an expert at this i did a little bit of research i don't know much about it so i'm just gonna speak uh from a very casual point of view so basically what happened is uh, the Australian Open is next week. Uh, it's one of the biggest tennis tournaments. And I believe Novak Djokovic is now tied with uh, s- tied for the most Grand Slam titles. So if he wins the next major, I think he wins the most Grand Slam titles ever. So it's like a big deal like from now on for him. I assume he's going to win one at some point, so he should do it. So it's not like 
it has to be this one. But uh, the way Australia works is you have to be vaccinated to to enter. So if you're not vaccinated, you can't enter the country, right? Uh, Novak Djokovic has long been very like vague about his vaccination status, but he was he made it very clear in the past that he's against all vaccines. So we assumed he wasn't vaccinated for COVID either, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, your choice, but he is not vaccinated, which means he technically cannot enter Australia. Uh, but actually, let's just to say that because of this, nobody thought he was going to compete in the Australian Open because he can't get in the country, right? But on January 4th, he posted saying, I've received a medical exemption, which allows me to enter Australia and compete in the Australian Open. A medical exemption meaning that even though he's not vaccinated, they are still allowing him to enter the country based off reasons that were not disclosed to the public. Uh, he basically has a visa allowing him to enter. So now he's packing his bags, he's getting ready to go to the Australian Open, gets in the plane, goes down there, gets to the airport, he's happy, he's there, he's arrived. When he arrives, the Australian authorities cancel his visa, say you're not allowed in the country because you're not vaccinated, they detain him in the airport for hours, and they transfer him to a hotel where they detain like illegal immigrants and stuff like that. So now he's still in that hotel. He has a court case coming up to argue if he can stay in the country and computer, if he has to leave or if he's going to stay in there. So there's a lot of outrage over this because when you read the story, it appears as though they said, okay, you can come, we'll allow you to come. But then when he got there, they canceled his visa and said, never mind, you're not allowed in. And one of the Aust- Australian authorities said, quote unquote, uh, we don't make special rules for famous people. Djokovic must be treated as all other people. He's not vaccinated, so he's not allowed in, which, okay, that makes sense. But then yet again, how was he giving a medical exemption to enter the country in the first place? So it's a confusing story. I'm not sure there's a clear, clear what happened here. But what I thought at first was maybe that he received a medical exemption to play in the tournament, but he never received a medical exemption to enter the country. But then yet again, he did have a visa approved beforehand, which means the country did approve him. So is Australia allowed to say you can't enter a country if you're not vaccinated? Yes, sure. That's fine. So Djokovic, but then yet again, how did they approve him and then say no later on. So I feel like Australia definitely is in the wrong here because they approved his visa, and then when they arrived, they canceled his visa for no apparent reason. So I, now I just like, keep talking, even though I don't know that much about this story. So Chris, want to want to chime in here and help me a little bit? Yeah, so I completely disagree with you, actually. Well, um, I think it's entirely on Djokovic and you not think the Australian so? government. You're... Yeah, so I think what oh, happened come here on. Okay, let's hear is, it. I think what happened here is that the Australian Open approved his exemption. And we can talk about why I think they obviously would say that they thought it was good enough for him not to be vaccinated. I would certainly argue that they just didn't want the best tennis player in the world to not come to their tournament because obviously him playing draws a lot of eyeballs because he has a lot of fans and also a lot of haters. Like He's a very polarizing figure. Um, however, it seems like a member of his team applied for the wrong kind of visa to get into the country. And so the Australian government itself never actually said he could come in. He So I think that he thought he so he had COVID within the last six months. And so he believed that was good enough to, let him, to get him into the country. And it seems like the Australian Open agreed that he had COVID in the last six months, so he didn't need the vaccine. But the actual country and the border patrol has stricter rules than that. And so when he showed up, they detained him because he had the wrong kind of visa 
and they would not let someone in the country who wasn't vaccinated. And it had to be a better reason than that, I guess. Like you have to have some kind of proven medical reason for not being able to get the vaccine or have had some kind of negative reaction to a vaccine like that in the past. So that I think is why he was not allowed in the country. And like you said, like obviously it's his choice to get vaccinated. I personally don't understand why you wouldn't get vaccinated, but like whatever, it's his choice. We're not going to discuss that. Let's, yeah, let's... no. Yeah, it, it's entirely his choice. Although <laughs> I don't think that a lot of our listeners disagree with us on this since all listeners are all our friends who went to Dalton, but whatever. Um, so in my mind, obviously it's his choice. No one's going to force me to get vaccinated. With that being said, there's no reason that he should be treated any differently than any other individual entering the country. If Australia made exceptions for tennis stars, that would just send entirely the wrong message. And so for him, like, okay, you're not vaccinated. That means you have to follow the rules. And so if you're, and you can debate the rules if you want to, right? Like you can talk about whether or not you think Australia should have this rule about being vaccinated in the country. However, that the rule exists, right? The rule is in place. So if you're Djokovic and you're not vaccinated, I, I don't really understand how you can be entirely upset at the government for not letting you in when you show up as an unvaccinated individual when clearly someone, there was some miscommunication between members of your team about whether or not you'd get in the first place. Like he thought he could, but he couldn't. Also, I do wonder how much of this has been spurred by that Instagram post he had where he said, like, I'm coming to Australia, I got my exemption, because there was some outrage among Australian citizens who were kind of like, we are locked down a little bit here, we have less freedom than we normally do, and you're going to let this tennis star, this unvaccinated tennis star into the country, but we can't, like, travel on our own. And so that created a lot of pushback and kind of brought a lot more attention to the incident than it otherwise would have had. And I think that probably is part of why the government has pushed back so strongly against him because they're like, we have to make a point here that we're not going to let people into the country who aren't vaccinated without a legitimate reason. Okay. So I, I do have a few questions here. You make good points. I, I can't argue with you. You say they applied for the wrong visa. I feel like all visas, no matter the type are go through the government. I think Right, but I, I think that I think that the visa they applied for didn't have to do with the vaccine status. Like I don't, I don't think it was. I, I think they check your vaccine status at the border, and you have to have some documents with you at the border to prove that you don't need the vaccine. Okay, well then I don't think this is Djokovic's fault nor Australia's fault. Now I'm leaning towards it just being the Australian Open's fault because I feel like they told Djokovic like you're good to come. We approved you, and they never. And Djokovic is like, okay, cool, we get into the country now. And they all went, and then this happened, and Australia basically arrested him. So I feel like this is the Australian Open's fault for making him well, believe also, that he can enter the country. Also, I would say they haven't arrested him. He could leave the country if he wanted to, right? Like, he could he could just turn around and go home. Oh, he he's could. Staying, yeah, he's staying because he wants to he wants to try and play in the tournament. That's why okay, he's still it. there. Yeah. He's not, like, he's being held in a hotel, like, held in a hotel in terms of, like, held because he can't go into the country if he wanted to fly out he totally could they're not like you don't get arrested for trying to come in i don't know also i'm gonna say this quickly um i I think this thing also kind of points to your point about perhaps this being on the tournament itself because a tennis a female tennis star um named renata vorakova i believe and a couple other people have also joined djokovic in a in like a, a holding area 
because they also thought they had exemptions and from the fr- they had exemptions from the tournament itself but could not enter the country because their reasons like weren't good enough and so she also was not denied entry but she has returned to her home country so they have the ability to leave i think Djokovic just wants to play in the tournament i agree can. that australia has the right to say if you're not vaccinated you can't enter whatever those the country's rules yes do i agree with those rules debatable do i think they're right whatever that's not that's not the discussion here but they have the right to do that sure i just think the confusion here is if the australian government never actually approved his visa then okay i think chris you're right and this is joke which is fault his team's fault but yet again if that's really true then i think more of the fault lies on the australian open for making him believe that he could enter right so i'm curious did the australian government ever actually approve the visa did they know he was coming you say no but i you're not like well so here's what it is Djokovic is presently unable to proceed through passport control after a member of his support team made a critical mistake in requesting a subclass of visa that does not apply to those who have received medical exemptions from a COVID-19 vaccine. The error had been discovered by an Australian border force while Djokovic was already traveling on a 14-hour commercial flight from Dubai to Melbourne. So basically what happened is that he just applied for the wrong kind of visa. They gave him that visa because they thought he was vaccinated because he applied for the kind of visa that you get when you are vaccinated. And then he got there, they saw he wasn't vaccinated, and then it became an issue. This is actually very... different, different kinds of visas, right? So like they approved him for a visa under the thought that he had been vaccinated. But when he got there, they realized he hadn't been vaccinated and then they got, then it became an issue. Oh, I get it. Okay. So I don't think this is Djokovic's fault. I think there was just, sure, he applied for the wrong Wait, but would there have been a way for him to get into the country unvaccinated if he applied for the right visa? Uh, I think yes, except that, like I said, like there has to be some kind of documented medical reason why you can't get the vaccine. Like you, like in the past, you received an, an mRNA vaccine or whatever, and had some kind of negative reaction to it, or like you're allergic, or like you. But I, I think it's a much higher bar for getting into the country than it is for the tournament itself, because the tournament is kind of like we just want the best player in the world to play in this tournament. We're not going to really get on his case about this. Okay, I mean, this obviously changed. I didn't do that much research into this, as I said before, so I didn't know all this. But I find it hard to believe that the Australian government didn't know anything about him coming. But if they actually didn't, then they have every right to say you can't enter. Sure. Well, they knew he was coming, but they didn't know about his vaccination status until he got there. He was very much publicly known to be anti-vaccination. Yeah, but the government, first of all, the government, I think, I think they receive a lot of visas. So I don't know if his is treated any differently than anyone else's. I think, they just appro- I, I think they just approve them based on the knowledge they have, and they check them at the border. Because when you get to the border, they have to actually show the documents. Okay. So I guess maybe the Austra- Australia, maybe they were in the right here to not let him in, if that's true. But then I put the blame, I don't even know who to put the blame on. Like, is it Djokovic? It's not Djokovic's fault because his manager messed the visa up. And also, I feel like the Australian Open probably convinced him to come and told him he was good to enter when in reality he wasn't. But if he had the wrong visa, then it all lies in the manager. It's just confusing, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, personally, I just don't like Djokovic, so I think it's kind of funny. Uh, Why don't you like Djokovic? I just think he's an asshole. Okay. There's there's all the the stuff... um, at the at the uh, the U.S. Open a couple years ago, he was like yelling at the fans and all that. Uh, there was the I mean this is perhaps a little more of my personal bias, but uh, there was the 
unvaccinated tennis tournament that he held not unvaccinated like back in uh june of 2020 he had a a big tennis tournament in serbia that ended up becoming a super spreader event he just didn't believe in viruses he's promoted essential oils as like a healing thing and so i just personally think that that is very dangerous to individuals and can cost lives when you promote pseudoscience like that i think at this point we're getting a tad to uh towards the political controversial side is of that, things. Is that political? Is it political to say that essential oils, promoting essential oils as a COVID-19 treatment is not good? Is that political? But no, but I'm just going to say that it, it's not quite political yet, but it, it's, it's tiptoeing on that line where if you say something else, it could get there. Do you agree with me? Yeah, I think we're going to move on. All right, fair, fair, fair. All right, so I think that was best of the internet for today. We'll be back with NFL picks and preview in just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the final segment of the day. We just had a very great discussion for Best of the Internet. And now we are moving on to NFL Week 18 Preview. The first Week 18 in NFL history. So that's interesting, right? Uh, A lot of big games. The uh, Packers have secured the one seed in the NFC, but the AFC one seed in the bye week is still up for grabs. And obviously a lot of things can happened this week a lot of playoff seeds up for grabs so we're going to talk about that all now we're going to give our picks for the week uh and do you want oh, to start yeah, off go back and forth i can go first um my first pick is the patriots minus six at the dolphins i think this is no surprise to anyone that i would yeah that i'd pick them but i i, I think it makes sense the patriots have clinched the playoffs the dolphins have nothing to play for they're eliminated at this point so I think it makes sense. The Dolphins probably don't have, they obviously don't have that much to play for. I could see them not necessarily going as hard as they usually might if they knew they needed to win for a playoff spot. The Patriots, on the other hand, I think that they destroyed the Jaguars last week, and I do see them wanting to win this game, run it up a little bit, just to kind of go into the playoffs on a high note. And also, it's very possible that, not likely, but if the Bills lose to the Jets then the Patriots could win the division still. So I think a lot to play for for the Patriots. They want to go into the playoffs on a high note. They want to go in playing very well on a two-game winning streak. So that is my first pick. Patriots minus six at Miami. Let me take you back to uh, December 9th, 2018. I'm sorry, December 29th, 2018, I believe. Uh, The Miami Miracle, uh, where the Patriots were in the playoffs already. And they had to play for a seeding, and Miami was out of the playoffs. Yet Miami beat the Patriots in a last-second play in Miami. Uh, historically, the uh, Patriots have struggled in Miami. Uh, I do think the Patriots do win this game if I had to pick, but I also think it's a little bit of a risky pick. I think I could sense another Miami miracle situation here, another Dolphins just wanting to beat the Patriots out of spite. Dolphins aren't a bad team. They actually won seven in a row. So you know what? I'm not going to take the Dolphins, but I want the Dolphins to win this game. Um, I mean, it's literally the exact situation no. for Miami Miracle, correct? No. It's similar. Also, not to really no. harp on this. Well, first of all, it happened in early December. So, yeah. So Sorry, not I said December 9th, correct. The Patriots won the Super Bowl that year. So, I don't really, like... 
No, they did lose the Dolphins. We won the Super Bowl. We won this. Or six. No, it was like week sixteen or seventeen. It was like week fourteen. Week six. It was like week thirteen. Yeah, it was. It was December 9th, Sammy. December 9th. Yes, and that was probably the week was let us see here. I believe it was week thirteen. Okay, whatever. My point is that the Dolphins tend to I'm do just well we at home against so the Patriots. If we lose this game and then win the Super Bowl, I'm sure. Okay, well, my point is it's a known fact that the Patriots struggle in Miami. Whatever. I'm just going right, to say, I pick? just don't your first pick? love that pick. I obviously, uh, Green Bay minus three. I saw this line and I thought it was the most ridiculous thing ever. I know Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play the whole game. But Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, all the starters are going to play. I assume they're going to play more than a half against Detroit. Green Bay's considered one of the best teams in the league, maybe the best team. Against Detroit in a dome, good weather, it's not going to be cold. I just think the Packers easily win this game. I think Rodgers puts them up by 20 points in the first half, and then they bench the stars. Okay, Jordan Love comes in, but I think when Jordan Love comes in, the game evens out, then it's like a battle. Maybe the game goes even from there, but the I think Rodgers already gives them a big enough lead where they easily cover the three points here. Yeah, I just, uh, I personally would never bet on a game that didn't matter in any way for anyone, especially when the seeding is so locked up for the Packers and the Lions have been kind of frisky recently i don't know i just like i agree with that pick that's what i would pick if i was betting on the game but personally I, I would just never bet on a team that had literally nothing to play for i'm just gonna say i would even probably take the i wouldn't make this pick but if you were to tell me that rogers wasn't playing this is the line i still think i'd take the packers minus three yeah i mean, I mean jordan love was love. pretty bad in the that fact game that Rod- played. but how i don't know I think he he's not terrible. I just think Rodgers puts them up yeah, enough fair. with this. Again, I, I would do the same thing. All right, next game. I'm not betting on the game. Okay, my next pick is Cardinals minus six and a half home for the Seahawks. This is a pretty straightforward pick for me. I think the Cardinals are just a much better team, and they do have something to play for here. They can still win the division if the Rams lose, which is quite possible. They're playing the 49ers, a pretty good team. So this kind of fits my criteria of a team having something to play for here. The Seahawks, on the other hand, have nothing to play for. They don't own their first round pick, so they're not gonna be like trying to lose here. But I think you know Russell Wilson's last game in Seattle probably. I just I don't know. I, I don't see it for them. They've been pretty bad all year, and the Cardinals I think win this one pretty easily. Uh, I was actually considering taking the Seahawks in this game. I didn't do it. But I was considering taking the Seahawks because the Cardinals have had four straight home losses. They've lost four straight home games. This is at home. Uh, Seahawks, let's be honest, they haven't been great, but it's still Russell Wilson's last game, which makes me think he's going to have a little bit of passion in him, right, to want to win this game. What is six it, six? And six and a half? That's a lot considering the, the Cardinals have lost four straight home games. The Seahawks, yeah. we know. I, I think they're not team. a good team. All right, well, disagree to disagree. Disagree. Uh, I don't hate the pick. I just think the... Yeah, okay. Disagree. Agree to disagree. Okay, whatever. Fine. Uh, I don't know. Good luck with that one. I don't love it. All right, I'm up. Yeah, last. I'll save the Chargers game pick for last. All right, my pick. I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns minus six. Uh, I just think 
this is a pretty obvious pick for me. Joe Burrow out. Brandon Allen is playing. Joe Mixon's out. Uh, I just think the Browns are actually a decent team. I think they've been pretty sucky this year, but I think if they just run the ball with Nick Chubb, they'll win this game by a lot. I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to do much on offense at all with Brandon Allen and no Joe Mixon. I think it's going to be a little bit of an offensive shit show, actually, for the Bengals. So I think the Browns do win this game in Cleveland by a pretty sizable margin. Yeah, I actually I like this pick a lot. Uh, I thought of taking it. I don't know, Baker Mayfield's out for the Browns. Um, so Case Keenum starting that one. I don't love Case Keenum, but that, yeah, that could just. Well, make I just them think run the running the, the running game. So yeah, so... I like this pick. It's a pretty good pick, I think. I'm not gonna lie to you. I didn't even know Case Keenum was starting. I thought Mayfield was playing. But let's be honest, it matter the way much. Mayfield's yeah. been playing, like how much worse? How much worse could Case Keenum really be? He might even be better. Let's see. I think Case Keenum might be, maybe wants to prove in this game. Hey, I'm better than Baker. So I know I'll take the Browns pretty confidently here. That's a pretty good pick. That's a pretty good pick. My final pick before we get to the Chargers game is I thought about this. I I initially I had the Bears minus the Bears plus five and a half at the Vikings. Mm. I then switched it briefly to the Cowboys minus four and a half at the Eagles. Mm. I'm now gonna go back. I'm going back to the Bears plus five and a half at the Vikings. It was pretty easy choice for me this week as to why I chose the Bears. Looking back, I've done very poorly recently in my picks. And so I thought to myself, what, what am I doing wrong here? And the, the reason I came up with is that I'm picking the teams. I'm picking the most obvious, correct choices. And when you do that, you're not actually ever going to make money because everyone picks the easy games. And so Vegas makes money off you when you do that. So I decided to go to a website where it shows you all the public money being bet on each game, right? And who and which team is getting the most, the highest number of bets. So, like for instance, if we look at the if we, if we look at the Chargers Raiders game for Sunday, the Chargers have received sixty two percent of the bets and sixty four percent of the money, right? So that seems like two thirds of people think the Chargers are going to win this game. If we go to the Bears game. Right now, 89% of the bets on the Vikings, only 11% on the Bears. So that means that 90% of people think the Vikings are going to win and cover the spread. There's no way, there's no way that 9 out of 10 people are going to get this game right. So I'm going the opposite way. I'm picking the Bears plus 5.5. I'm going to be honest, that is the most dumb shit I've ever listened to. I don't. I think it makes sense to no, me. No, it makes zero sense at all. If, if everyone, there's no way, there's no way that everyone can be right on this pick. There's just no way. Okay, but you realize it's not like making more or less money. We're, uh, like on the my bookie thing, it's minus 110, the odds for every single spread. It's not like you make more or less money if you bet like a shittier team. No, it's not about that. I'm saying that everyone so you just, is You're just betting the against the public. You think you're, you're just betting against people. Yeah, I'm feeding the public. He's feeding the public. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so bad. Just I wait. Hate- I, I'm actually, I'm actually very confident in this pick now. Just fade in public. There's no way everyone I else. I don't hate the. There's pick. no way everyone else knows what they're talking about and not me. I don't hate the pick, but I just hate the reasoning for this. All right, I've listened to that enough. Uh, I'm taking the Cowboys minus four point five since you you said you were gonna do it. I'm taking it easily. Uh, Cowboys, yeah. they have they're playing for a seating in the NFC. Uh, they can go up. They can go down. So they're playing for something. Uh, Eagles. 
they're in the playoffs, but they're not really. I don't think they're actually playing for much. Not gonna lie. No, I don't care. I just think the Eagles suck. I looked at the the Eagles games. The who they beat. The Eagles have only beat terrible teams. Every good team they've played, they lost to. Their nine wins just come from like playing bad teams. They had the easiest schedule in the NFL. They just beat like the Giants, the Jets, the Redskins, and crap like that. I think the Cowboys bring the hammer. Cowboys pissed. They lost to the Cardinals last week. I think they bring it here. Win by twelve. That's a, that's a bold prediction. I'm taking. I, I agree. I, I think it's a really good pick. It was my fifth pick. If I had a fifth pick, but I'm still. I think I feel good about the Bears. I feel good about them. All right, cool. Uh, last pick: Chargers versus Raiders. I know you're fading the Chargers because you hate the Chargers. Yeah, actually, so I am. Perfect. I am, I'm taking the Chargers. No, so I figured you'd pick the Chargers, and so I was like, it make it's more fun for us to be on opposite sides of this one. Well, I also, don't you, mind the you've Raiders. been a Chargers hater all year. I, I have. I, I think probably. I'd lean towards Chargers, but I also like the Raiders. I like the Raiders for a variety of reasons. First of all, they're at home. I like home underdogs. Plus three at home, so that's a good number of points, a field goal at home. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't see this being a blowout either direction, so this makes sense for me taking the points here. The Raiders, it's such a weird season, right? There's a Henry Ruggs thing, John Gruden thing, and now Rich Basakia playing for his Playing for his coaching job right now, right? I think if he wins this game during the playoffs, he gets a job next year full time. So I think it means a lot to him. I think he, I've heard he's very loved among the Raiders players. So I, I think that they're playing for him here. John Madden just died. So there's that component as well. Oh, come John on, Madden, famous Raiders the- coach. Yeah. I think that certainly contributes to the uh, overall atmosphere of this game. You know, they're playing, they're winning it for John. I think I can totally see that being a, a contributing factor here. And also, and the Chargers are frauds. I, I, I've, I've, like you said, I've said this all year. I think they're just not good. And they are a very exciting team. I think their jerseys trick people into thinking they're actually good at football when they're actually not. Uh, I think Jay yeah. Herbo is taking the Chargers to the AFC Championship. I disagree because they played the Chiefs in the first round and they would lose to them. They beat so, the Chiefs this year. I think in the playoffs. I think either team they beat the Chiefs in like the week two when the Chiefs were in still terrible. Kansas City. When they're and they I played I, them I, recently too, and they almost beat them again. Stop! I it think there. I I think that this game gets to determine who gets to lose by twenty to the Chiefs in the first round. I think it's gonna be the Raiders. I think if the Raiders win this game, they'll get absolutely pummeled by the Chiefs in the first round. But I think if the Chargers win this game, they beat the Chiefs. Also, if we go back to what I said earlier, if you look at the public money, two thirds on the Chargers. Here we go with the public money. Two thirds on the Chargers. Right, I'm, I'm just taking saying, the Chargers minus three. Uh, yeah, I just I think that I think the Raiders are going to win this one. All right, quick summary. I'm taking Packers minus three. Chargers Wait, minus three. Packers. Packers minus three. Chargers. Minus three. You said Cowboys minus four and a half. And Browns minus six. I don't like how I'm taking all minus teams, but whatever. You have a lot of favorites here. Okay. So, here they are, everyone. The week 18 picks. Final week of regular season. Obviously, we'll continue doing this for the playoff rounds. But we have, for me, for Chris, we have Bears plus five and a half at the Vikings. Patriots minus six at the Dolphins. Raiders plus three versus the Chargers, and Cardinals minus six and a half versus the Seahawks. My hot take, you go one for four, and the Bears pick is the only one that hits. 
that i mean i would take that honestly but what do you mean at this point i'll take anything where i win a single pick okay that's all right guys you should not listen to chris because listen to what he's saying right now we also oh also just the packers are minus three and a half not minus three just fyi it's a lie where it's are you not. i'm looking i'm looking the line right now I'm on it's, ESPN. it's minus three and a half at DraftKings and FanDuel, which is what we use for all the lines. Nope, we use ESPN minus three. No, we don't. No, we don't. We use the lines.com. That's what I have used. I'm on ESPN week. Packers minus three. I don't know what I don't know what they're using, but I'm looking at the lines, which is what we use every single week for the for the lines, and it's minus three and a half both places. I'm taking minus three Packers, not minus three and a half. I'd like to put that out there. Well, I'm going to keep track of this. So uh, minus three. So Sammy's picks. Packers minus three and a half at the <laughs> Lions. Chargers minus three at the Raiders. Cowboys minus four and a half at the Eagles. And Browns minus six versus the Bengals. Those I are your week Chris's 18 be- picks. I think this is Chris's best chance to go 0 and 4 yet. What do you see losing? Which ones do you see actually losing? I see the Seahawks beating the Cardinals at home because the Cardinals can't win at home. I see the. Uh, Obviously the Raiders won. Obviously the Chargers, I see winning that game. Yeah. I see the Bears being a terrible team and losing because Justin Jefferson's going to score five touchdowns. And Dalvin Cook's going to run wild in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook has... I don't think he can play. I think he still has COVID. Does he? Whatever. I'm just saying. I just like to hate on your picks. But let's go. Let's see what happens this week. All right, Sammy. Any uh, closing words for the listeners? I'll throw in a special Falcons plus 3.5 extra. Falcons plus 3.5 extra? Yeah. Additional? Do you actually want to put that down? No, I just I just want to mention it. I don't want you to put it down, but I want to mention it on the podcast. So when I go five for five, I can gloat about it. Okay. Okay. So that about wraps up our podcast for today. Oh, Sammy, forgot to mention, uh, National Championship game in college is Monday night. Who do you got, Georgia or Bama? Georgia right now is minus three. Where's the game? It's a neutral site. Where? Um, like it, I have no idea. Look it up. Texas, maybe. Mm. Let me think. Uh, did Alabama beat Georgia? In Indianapolis, the, Indianapolis. Alabama beat Georgia in the regular season, right? That by a lot. I don't by think like that. Ha- I think it's touchdowns. all. It never happens twice. Georgia. Okay, I'll take down plus three then. Plus three. Yeah. I don't know. But you didn't tell me the spread. I did. I said Georgia minus three. Uh, I'm taking Georgia money line. Okay, I'll take Bama money line. Fine, deal. Deal. Six. All six. right. So <laughs> we will do a podcast uh, Monday, or we'll put it up Tuesday morning. So we will have a recap for you both of that game, and then also of Week 18 of the NFL. Right. We'll also have a new ranking segment for then. Yeah, sounds good, Zemi. This is another hour and 15 minute episode. Now nah, we talked a little bit in the middle that we'll cut out. Still probably an hour. Yeah, probably. Great. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. We will see you on Tuesday. Bye, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. Yes, sir.